Hey, it's Deacon here. I'm hosting a new workshop called Hiring Secrets to help you find the right people who will take your business to the next level. Join me live on April 6th, and I'll show you my biggest secrets and tools to building a high-performance team. Get all the details at deaconbradley.com, click the Hiring Secrets link in the menu, or check today's show notes for all the links you need. Now, let's get back to the podcast. One of the things that I see hold business leaders back from the growth that they actually want, and more importantly, the freedom that they actually want, when it comes down to it, I think it's team. Hello and welcome to Sharp Business Growth, the podcast for CEOs who want to create healthy business growth. I'm your host, Deacon Bradley, alongside Justice Marimi, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about the keys to that create a team that actually moves the ball down the field. And when I when I say it like moves the ball down the field, I love to use that phrasing because I I like to imagine like a football team, Justice, and yeah, and uh, and on that football team, I think most CEOs see themselves as the quarterback. Yep. And um, gosh, what's that like? <laughs> 40, 50 maybe 60 plays a game Jeez. you're taking snaps and doing stuff. And what I like to see business owners get to is not being the quarterback. Mm. I want to see them on the sidelines or even better up in the owner's box, like chilling out, doing their owner thing, watching, um, watching touchdowns get put on the board. And uh, yeah, there, there's not a lot of sweat I've noticed up in the owner's box. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> you just said something that I, I I would imagine if people heard this, if if when entrepreneurs, when CEOs are listening to this, they'll go, yeah, that's not, I can't do that. Like you actually help people do this. And so what you said that, that analogy so well, what does the owner's box look like? How is that possible? Ah. Uh. Yes, you 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 I think you nailed it right there. So many CEOs are going to be listening to this and saying, "That's great, but yeah." And yeah, it's it's not true. I think I have kind of come up with just high level three things that I see holding people back in this area and I'd install them in this order. But when you're in the owner's box, what it looks like is you have that uh, that gosh, you know, I didn't totally think this metaphor through when I started, but this is, I'm just going to go with it. I love it. And this just keeps getting better. <laughs> so at some point this might break down and I might regret it, but so far I don't, because when you're up in that owner's box, you have that view of the entire field, uh, all the players that are on it. Also all the players that are on the sideline, you can see the clock, you can see the scoreboard, you can see the stats of where things are in the game. You can see all of that from the owner's box. And even more so, you know what was invested to put that team on the field. You know what return it's getting you back. And you know uh, how the players are doing. You're not looking at just that one game, just that one scoreboard. You're looking at the season. Yes. And you're looking at, hey, contracts that are coming up. And who do I need to put in place so that I can do this again next year? And that's what I, when I think about the owner's box, that's what they're doing. They're not, they're not, unless you're 
Jerry Jones, yeah. you're not getting down in the weeds. And, and, and I think we've all seen how well that scenario has gone. If you're a Cowboys fan yes. and not well, <laughs> but he's in the owner's box. You're not drafting the players. You're not doing all that stuff. You're setting the vision. You're setting the direction of the team. You're equipping them with resources and you're enjoying the game. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, you, when I hear that, I'm like, get me to the owner's box. I want to be in the owner's box. Um, but I still feel like most, where would, uh, let me ask you this. Where do you see, like if starting out, you're the quarterback and owner's box is where you went, you end up, where have you noticed most entrepreneurs, CEOs getting stuck? Uh, okay. First, the first thing I see them doing is, is like drawing up every single play and then coaching. Uh, imagine Imagine like before the play starts going to every single person on the field and demonstrating how they should be running the route and then demonstrating how to snap the ball and then demonstrating how to block because nobody can do any of those things as good as you. So you're going around to every position and you're like, no, move. Let me show you how to do this. Okay. And when we, and then, so it's taking you like 10 minutes to set up a play and run it. Yes. And so you're never all that to go like five yards down the field. So I see people going wrong there by, by telling their positions exactly what to do, how to do it. And just that mindset of, mm. I know how to run this route better than you. Yeah. Oh, and I also know how to pass block better than you. Mm. <laughs> oh, and I'm a great middle linebacker. So let me show you how to play that position for a little while. And it's exhausting. Do they... Um what is the, here's me as a, as a coach coming in and going, okay, let's get to the heart of that, that, that owners, that person that needs to be in the owner's box, but isn't, what is the core belief that's, that's driving them? Have you seen a core belief that's driving them to go, I need to show the linebacker how to do this and the, the, the quarterback and the, this person, like I need to be getting my hands in everything for five yards. Ooh, that's a good question. I, I would be really interested in what you see as a, as a coach from your side. When I look at this, I come at it more so from a, here are the actions I would take to correct it. I don't always, if I had to speculate and dig a little deeper on why they're stuck there, uh, I haven't really dug beyond that level that we kind of started the, sh the show off with, which is, oh, yeah, but my business yeah. is special or yeah. my team can't do it. Uh, all of those things. It's like that's like the highest level belief. There's something below mm. that. I honestly haven't dug too much into. What do you think is there? Yeah. I, when I see that, a, a part of me says, OK, core belief. Sometimes there are quarterbacks that just don't want to leave because they're scared of what the get, what life will look like away from that position that they actually enjoyed doing. And they're unaware of how it's hampered the growth of the business, but they just love doing it so much. Tom Brady is like a perfect example of this, except it's not hampering. It's not, it's, it's not getting in the way of Super Bowls. They're, they're, they're getting more than enough Super Bowls. But there's certain quarterbacks that there's certain CEOs who, yes, you are great at operations. You really are. You're amazing at it. Someone can come in and do it 80% of as well as you. And guess what? That will be their core focus. 
So they'll probably do it better than you because they're not focusing on sales. They're not focusing on all these other things. So often I'll see the core belief being the, the fear. Um, if, if I leave, I don't know what my future position will look like. And I don't know if I will be good at it. If all I'm doing is this. And Ooh. if all I'm doing is that, I don't know if that sounds fun. Like, I don't know if that will be interesting. I can predict how this is going to look. So I'll just stay doing this. That's true. I wonder if there's any fear in there around sliding back down the mountain. Oh yeah. No, that's good. That that really is good. This puts me back at step one. I like this puts me, that's really interesting. I like that. I could see that for sure. If I was going to, if, so if I came into a business like this and I, and I was coming in as an advisor, first thing that I w- often see the most glaring thing that I see that's missing. It's interesting. So I've got, I've got three things here, justice. The yes. third one, when I, li- when I told you the third one, you were like that, that's the thing that makes all the difference. Yeah. We're going to get there. But interestingly, I don't think either of the other two things work without starting here. Number one thing on my list is a super clear vision. Mm. And I think without that vision, there is, it's like the team is missing that direction. I, I, I'm a big Donald Miller fan. He yeah. talks a lot about, hey, a leader's job is to stand up every single day, point to the horizon and say, this is where we're going. Yeah. The next day you stand up and you say, point to the horizon. You say, this is where we're going. I see that missing so often with business leaders that I work with. And I'm, and I'm talking like pretty good sized businesses, yes. pretty good sized teams, a lot of success there. But at the end of the day, they're all just kind of like, like doing their own thing. There's a bunch of like oars paddling here and there. Some of them aren't paddling. Yeah. Some of them aren't using tennis rackets instead of oars. And they're like, Oh, are we supposed to be paddling? And it's like, it's missing. That's the thing that I see that kind of like unifies all that together is that, that vision step. Yes. What does it, when you say, you know, vision is one of those words um, that it means something different to everyone. (laughs) When you, you've worked and you've helped integrate visions, when do you know that a vision is clear? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. It's the kind of question that I might want to spend a week unpacking, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab at it here because that's- I spent a lot of time in the room with, with a CEO that you and I both know highly respect. And I told him afterwards, the reason I'm excited to work with you is because you have the most clear vision of mm-hmm. any other business leader that I've been around, mm-hmm. not just worked with, just that I've been around. And to me, the, the things, let me try to think of the elements here. So the thing that like just lit me on fire as I'm, I'm an integrator at heart, mm-hmm. I bring visions to life. And that, the, that vision was very clear. It was, uh, here's where we're going. So pointing to the horizon, this is what the business is going to look like Six months from now, here is how we will acquire customers. Here's what the products will look like. They will serve people in this way. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like every detail because that's not the stage we're at, but it was a really clear vision of who we're serving, how we're going to make their lives better, and how we're actually going to create sales that create money that fund this vision, which is, mm. I think, uh, so yeah, there, there's an element right there. 
<laughs> the vision to be able to see how it will be funded and brought to life. That's so I'd say that's good. an ingredient that I see missing a lot. So it's not just like hand waving. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. like you can see the path. Like, oh, I see exactly how this is going to work. That's really good. And what have you noticed happens to a team when the vision is clear? When the vision is clear, so we were on a call earlier this week, Justice, and somebody was having, uh, they were having a hard time hiring. And I, I don't know if you remember who I'm talking about, but uh, I've heard more than one call where they're like, they're, they keep coming back to calls and they're struggling to hire this, this one position. And it's kind of like a, a not very exciting warehouse position. Yeah. Oh, I need somebody to like pack boxes in my warehouse. Nobody's applying. Uh, so then we're on this call earlier this week and this, this CEO is sharing the vision that she wants to turn the business into. Mm. And she's like, it's not going to be a million dollar business. It's not going to be a $5 million business. Like it's going to be a $20 million business and they're well on their way. And as she's describing this, um, she is like lit up with excitement and you can see, and in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how you hire people Yes, because that vision, now you don't have somebody in the warehouse packing boxes. You have a future operations leader and there are things to grow into. And so when you have that vision, that's clear enough, people get excited because they want to go with you. Yes. And when you don't have it, you're trying to sell people on packing boxes in a barn that was converted into a warehouse. And it's like, yeah, no applicants. <laughs> Yes. That, what you just said was massive. So often we are trying to get talent by casting the vision of a position instead of casting the vision of the business and where it's going and how they could grow with this business and how, what they're going to be doing. Like what you just said is like, you just, this person asked for, uh, like a box packer, but w- <laughs> really you're saying, Hey, you're a future operations leader here. This is where we're going. Like, do you want to jump in? Like we're headed, we're headed North. I don't want you to miss it. My favorite team metaphor. I'll, I'll bring this up over and over again on this show because it's so powerful. I've used it to build really successful teams. Uh, it's Jim Collins. It's from his book. Good to great. Oh, yeah. It's the bus metaphor. Oh. And this is, this is how I've hired and built really great teams. And I think it applies perfectly here. The bus metaphor is like, Hey, you know, first you get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus. Then you get them in the right seats on the bus. And then here's the interesting part. And then you decide where to take the bus. Like, where should we drive it? Uh, we'll unpack that in other episodes. The part here that is sticking out to me is your imagine this is probably the wrong movie to tie it to, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, the very, very end of Dumb and Dumber. Are you are you a Dumb and Dumber fan, Justice? I enjoy it. I haven't watched it in forever. The very, very end, uh, they're walking down this long road in the desert, just Harry and Lloyd. <laughs> no future. A yeah. uh, couple of, yeah. They're just walking, and they're, they're walking down this road, and then this like massive bus, charter bus, pulls up next to them. And of course, it's in the movie, it's like filled with bikini models, and they're like, yeah. hey, you know, we're looking for a couple of guys to travel with us. Who wants to come? Uh, but that's the wrong bus metaphor. Where I'm going with yeah, I this. I love it. I know where you're going. That I love bus it. was going someplace. And it should have been really obvious. 
to Harry and Lloyd that they should get on that bus because that's going to be an epic trip. <laughs> yeah. And But it's totally different than being like, hey, we're looking for a couple of people to pack boxes rather than saying like, oh my gosh, this bus is going somewhere. This is going to be, uh, I think she talked about like, hey, I want to be Sarah Blakely level yes. entrepreneur someday. I'm bootstrapping this thing. I have the potential to get there. I'm building an empire. Who mm. wants to come? Mm. So we've got a clear vision now. The second part of this that I would, that I kind of add in here is like, all right, once you've got that vision, the next thing is actually empowering your team and equipping them with, with what I call key actions. So let's go back to the the warehouse. Again. Yes. <laughs> Every single person on the team should know we've got this vision. We're building this $20 million company. Here's what it's going to look like when we get there. Here's how we'll make money. All of these elements of the vision that make it clear yeah. so that everyone on the team knows exactly the, in the destination. What key actions do is they tell each member of the team, what are the three things that you should do to move us towards that goal? Mm. And this is something uh, I was working with the business leader earlier this week. And I was like, Hey, this is the, this is the first thing I would do. Your customer success person, they have no idea what their key actions are. And, and remember we were joking, like they had spent for example, six hours on the phone with helping a customer. And we're like, is that good or is that bad? I don't know. They don't know either. And that's the problem is that nobody knows. And so what key actions do is they say, Hey, um, justice, I've hired you to work in this role. And here's how I'm going to evaluate whether we are successful or not. Mm. At the end of the week, you should be able to say I won or I lost or I need to improve. Yes. Do you, let me, let me ask, I, I know CEOs and when they hear that, they're like, that's a lot of work for me to come up. Like you want me to sit down and come up with key action protocol. You want me to do this? Tell me like, this is going to wear me out. I don't want to do it. I can see them kicking and screaming to create key action protocols for hires. What, what do they need to know about this or how should they be thinking about this? First of all, I think if you said key action protocols, they would definitely kick themselves and not want to do it. Cause that, that sounds boring. Yeah. <laughs> Here's how I think about it. I would sit down, I write like the, the title of a job at the top of the thing, like one of the roles in your organizations, warehouse worker, fulfiller, whatever that title is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a media buyer. Maybe it's an operations manager, write the title down on the top of that and then spend 10 minutes like max, because you know the business well enough, I think, to do this within 10 minutes and think, what does success look like in this role? In other words, what are the wins in this role? And there should be three, four max. Hmm. And so warehouse worker, I'm, I'm going to prove right now that I have never done this job <laughs> because I don't know if these are going to make sense. It's great. So a warehouse worker let's say, okay, okay, here's the job. You're supposed to pack and fill these boxes. Here's what a win at the end of the day. Um, here's what win winning looks like for you. I need boxes packed with the exact materials that go in them exactly according to our SOPs. Mm. So in that way, you're saying like, Hey, these boxes, when people open them, they get the experience that we desired. Yeah. So that that's one, one win. Another win might be, uh, all of our orders are sent out within 48 hours of receiving them. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's reasonable or not. I haven't worked in a <laughs> this warehouse. This is great. But it's measurable and it's in and it's and it's like a key action thing. And um and let's see. I'm struggling on a third one here, but the the idea is it should be let's imagine it like this also. If you have downtime in your job and yeah. you're a warehouse fulfillment worker, what should you do that is continuing to move you towards the vision, even though nobody told you to do it? That's really good. That's a good example of a key action. Oh, yeah. and that, that's actually bringing something to mind. And this is why I think as a CEO sitting down and doing this, just jotting some stuff down, you're going to start to figure these things out. So the third thing I might put on this warehouse workers list is making sure that everything in the warehouse is in its right place organized, like all of the inventory is exactly organized. Yeah. And if every, and if anything is low, you report that to the inventory manager. Yes. Like that's a key activity. And if you're managing this person, you, you know, you're like, just do those three things. And my business is going to be great. And as a business leader, you can now be like, okay, I don't have to worry about inventory anymore because anytime they have downtime, they're going to go check inventory and make sure things are in order. Okay. When, how long should this take someone to create this for a position? Uh, I guess it depends on, so if it's a position that you know, businesses that, that I've worked in, I've, I've, I've either been, it's either been a position that reports to me or, or is like two levels below me. Like the org charts weren't super gigantic. So I was pretty familiar with the roles. And with that, I could create one in about 15 minutes and then I'd probably take a week just talking to the people actually doing the roles, kind of just testing it out, just conversationally being like, yeah. justice, these are the things that I think are important. These are the things, this is how we're going to measure whether or not you're being successful in your role or not. What am I missing? <laughs> what am I misunderstanding? Yeah. And getting get the feedback from, from them as well, because you really need that buy-in or your uh, perceived more as a dictator and it won't be as good. <laughs> no, this is great. How should, um, how do I ask this question? What by doing this, what will it keep the CEO from doing? And by doing this, what will it allow the CEO to see or be able to do that they couldn't do before? That's a really good question. First part of that was what will it keep them from doing? Yes. Okay. What it'll keep them from doing is I might just sum it up under meddling. So if you're the CEO, this will keep you from diving back down into the org chart and saying box worker, you're doing it wrong or do this instead. Or why isn't somebody it's, it's like you're micromanaging. If you choose these tasks well, and you put the right person in them, they will move the business forward because now they have the vision of where they're going. And what we're doing with these key actions here is we're saying, you see that vision that we're all excited about? This is your part of it. Mm. Like you stick your oar out of this hole number 37 over here. And like you row, uh, you here, like you prepare the food because we're all going to have to eat. Yeah. It's a terrible example. I've never been on a ship like this. Yeah. this is great okay what's the third the third one is this is is one you and i got excited about yes delegate decisions now that you have those two things in place 
you can, you're, I think you are finally equipped to delegate decisions. What I loved that. So when you first said this, I was like, I thought he was just going to say delegate. And I was like, and I was like hyped about that. And then you go delegate decisions. And I was like, yes, say, tell us more about what it looks like to delegate decisions and why that's important. Most people, every, okay. Every CEO listening to this is like, oh yeah, delegate. I got to delegate. I delegate too. Uh, what, but they are always busy. You know, they're always too busy. And then they're, and we talked in the last episode of, of this promised land that, that can you get to this promised land where you're not needed yeah. for everything? Yeah. And without delegating decisions, the answer is no. Mm. But if you delegate decisions, then the answer is yes. And so when you're delegating a decision, you're saying, Justice, uh, I want you to handle this task and I'm giving you the authority to de- make a decision on the thing and like move the ball down the field. Yeah. Cause by the way, I'm up in the owner's box, so I can't throw the pass for you. Yes. <laughs> so you have to empower the team to actually throw the pass and run the play. Uh, otherwise you're like constantly running out on the field. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is where people, it's an easy concept, but more often than not, it, it's missed. Mm. And it's such a small thing that when people miss it, they don't know why, but here's the symptom. The symptom is you're delegating things, but they keep coming back to you. Yeah. Or you feel just as busy or even worse. Like you're, if you notice you're a bottleneck for something, that's why. Really? Yeah. Cause so you're the bottleneck because the thing has bounced back and other things have bounced back and they're queuing up outside your office waiting for you to, to do your, your business CEO thing and like bless the things and move them on down the line. So is what, so here's what I think is happening. And this is even helpful for me is a lot of times what I'll hear from CEOs, like I told them what to do. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Hey, yeah, this is it that I, I already told them this, but then they'll go, but they're coming back to me. And I love what you said because it's like, yeah, you didn't give them authority. Like you need to give them authority right now. You're just giving them responsibilities. What they need is authority, which is I'm going to make a decision here. And I know clearly enough what the repercussions are on these, but I know why I have to make these decisions. And there's enough trust here for me to make the decision. Like other than the Cowboys, (laughs) like, and even the Cowboys, Jerry Jones probably isn't talking with the coach going, all right, so let's talk about some of the plays you called. Like the owner's not doing that. Right. The owner's going, is this ship moving in the wrong, right direction? Are we moving forward? If not, okay, then we might need a new coach. But I've delegated the decision-making for play calling and for leading this team is not me. It is you. This is a whole thing to dive into because I, I can feel, I can sense the resistance on the other side of this. Like, I can't just let them decide stuff for me. Yeah. I can't just hand the keys over to the car. Yeah. And you're right because you have to be very intentional and you have to be very smart about this. There's actually five levels of delegation that I use when I work with people. We should unpack those in the next episode or, or one coming up really soon because it creates so much clarity when you're giving a task that, it, that, uh, that the people know that you're giving it to know exactly what is expected. The big problem where there's often friction is uh, misaligned expectations. 
There's a book that we really enjoyed on a leadership team that I ran. It was Brene Brown's book, uh, Dare to Lead. Mm. I think it was that one. Or it might have been Radical Candor, which I'm looking at on my bookcase, which is another one of my favorites. I get those two books confused because we used and mixed so many concepts from both of those. Mm. The thing that that is coming to mind here that that we would say to each other on the leadership team was paint done for me. So if, and, and this is something like you teach your team this, you know, this as a business leader. And so justice, if you were on my team, I'd say, Hey, listen, my intent is that anytime I give you a task, you know, exactly what the finished, you know, what winning looks like. Mm. I use that phrase all the time. Like what does winning look like? Paint done is kind of another way to say that. And so if I'm like, Hey justice, uh, I need all these boxes out by Friday. Mm-hmm. Then you might be like, is, I don't know. Is that enough information? Like, do you want them just on the front porch? Should I take them to the trash? Do they need to be shipped? I don't know. Uh, and so we kind of essentially gave ourselves permission within the team to be like, Hey, paint done for me. Like, okay, okay. Let me, let me say this another way. The boxes need to be packed with the stuff so that this is all cleared out over here and there's more room. Mm. And then those boxes need to be moved out to the garage and they need to be put up against the side so that I can still get my car in the garage. Mm. That to me is what success looks like. It takes like an extra (laughs) couple of minutes to say it. The difference in performance is unbelievable. And it's kind of like a mini way of, of going back to point number one here, which is a clear vision. You're you're giving them like a little micro vision (laughs) Yeah. Of what does this yes. task look like if yes. it's done correctly? I love this. I love this. Our next episode should be the five levels. Do you want to do delegation next? That's a good one. That's huge. It's where I see a lot of, this is where I see CEOs go, all right, I overcame my fear. I've, I'm step. I'm getting out of the way. I'm getting out of the way. And then they do what you just said, which is like they give responsibility and like everything's bouncing back to me. It's like, yeah, yeah, you didn't do a micro vision. You didn't show them what winning looks like. You didn't delegate. Right. You didn't delegate decisions. We need to do the five. Yeah. Well, we'll do that one next. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today on the Sharp Business Growth Podcast. Be sure and subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. You definitely don't want to miss next week's episode on delegation. We'll be talking about the five levels of delegation, a framework that I've used with all of my teams. Uh, I especially love teaching this to people that want to, that are kind of just getting into delegation or they're like, why is this not working for me? Because it just gives you so much clarity. It's such an easy tool. Uh, You're absolutely going to love it. Stay tuned for that one. Make sure you subscribe. Visit us at sharpbusinessgrowth.com for more resources. I'll see you next time.